In this recording, we're going to look at a very original and creative ruling of the Ramban that he requires an extra vidui confession as Yom Kippur is beginning. The Gemara in Yuma Pezayin Amudbeis quotes a brisa which describes the obligation of vidui on Yom Kippur. Tanrabanan mitzvahs vidui erev Yom Kippurim im chashecha. The mitzvah of vidui on Yom Kippur begins on the eve of Yom Kippur as it's getting dark. Aval amru chachamim yisvade kodim shiyochal viyishte shemati tarif daito b'seuda. But very interestingly, the rabbis said that one should say the vidui before they eat the suda hamafsekes, the last meal before Yom Kippur, because there's a concern that they might overeat at the meal. Meal and get drunk and not be able to say vidui properly that night. So in order to avoid the possibility of missing vidui that night, the rabbis instituted an additional vidui before the meal at mincha. So that's what we do. We say the full vidui privately at mincha before we eat the sudaham afsekes. Then the Brisa continues, the Afal Pishi Svade Kodim Shaachal Vishasa, Misvade La Achar Shiochal Vishte. Even though the person said Vidui before the meal at Mincha, still they repeat Vidui after the meal, Shema Era Dvar Kalkala Bisuda, because maybe they did something wrong at the meal. So the vidui that we say after the sudam of sekes is because maybe even in that short intervening period, there was another sin. So we say another vidui that evening. Then the Brisa continues, arvis. Even though he said vidui at mariv, he still says vidui at shachris the next morning. Shachris isvade b'musaf. Even though he said vidui at shachris, he says vidui at musaf. And even though he said vidui at musaf, he says vidui at mincha. And then again, he says vidui at neila. So the Brisa lists six different viduis. There's vidui at mariv, shachris, musaf, mincha, and neila of Yom Kippur. And there's an additional vidui before that at the Mincha on Erev Yom Kippur. And the Brisa continues that we say Vidui two times, once in private in our own Shmona Esrei and once communally in the Chazan's repetition. So in the private Shmona Esrei, we say it Achar Tfilaso, after we finished our own Shmona Esrei, whereas Shliach Tzibor Omro Be'emtza. In the Chazan's repetition, we say it in the middle. So this is the Halacha that the Brisa teaches us, that we say all these Viduis on Yom Kippur. In addition, we say one on Erev Yom Kippur because of the concern that someone might get drunk in the meal and not be able to say Vidui properly that evening. Now, it's interesting. There's a related concern mentioned in the Gemara in Ksubis Kuf Gimel Ahmad Beis. The Gemara relates a number of traditions as to what is a good sign and what is a bad sign for someone who passed away. So, meis mitochaschok, if someone dies while laughing, that's a good sign. But if they die while crying, that's a bad sign. If their face is facing up, it's a good sign. Facing down is a bad sign. So the Gemara goes through a number of these signs. One of them is that if someone dies on Friday, it's a good sign. And if they die on Saturday night, it's a bad sign. So Rashi explains because Gehenim, the punishment in the afterlife is suspended on Shabbos. So someone who dies on Friday, their soul avoids any punishment. They go straight into Shabbos as opposed to someone who dies on Motzei Shabbos. So they have an entire week to wait until Shabbos. 
Then the Gemara continues, Meis be'erev yom ha-kippurim simen ralo. Someone who dies on erev yom kippur is a bad sign. Be'motsoi yom ha-kippurim yafelo. Someone who dies after yom kippur, the evening after yom kippur is a good sign. So Rashi explains because on Erev Yom Kippur, their soul misses the atonement of Yom Kippur, as opposed to Motzei Yom Kippur, where they pass away right after having just been atoned. So that's a good sign if the soul passes away from that kind of purity. Now, obviously, this all has to be understood. And there's many great people who pass away on Motzei Shabbos or on Erev Yom Kippur. So there's always going to be exceptions. And we have to interpret this like every line in the Gemara. So there's a lot of interpretation in the commentators. The Iun Yaakov quotes a very interesting story. Shamati shechassid echad meis be'erev yom kippur. He heard that there was a great man, a very pious person, who died on Erev yom kippur. So it seems like that should be a bad sign. Darash alav gadol echad, one of the great men explained that the problem with passing away on Erev yom kippur is that the person doesn't get to do teshuva. But since this person was a chassid, they were very pious, so every day they did teshuva, so for them every day was like Yom Kippur, so when he passed away on Erev Yom Kippur, it's like he actually passed away on Motsai Yom Kippur, because for him every day was Yom Kippur, so the day before had also been Yom Kippur. So this is a very cute idea. The Chassam Sofer and his Chuvis in Yeridea Simon Shin Lamed Zayin also records the same idea. He has an interesting case. A Kohen went into a yard of a non-Jew and he found in there a fallen headstone which said that a Jewish person, Reb Scharia ben Reb Yedidya, had passed away on Erev Yom Kippur and been buried there. But the headstone was dated more than 415 years earlier. So he wanted to know whether we consider this a Jewish graveyard or not, and the Kohen is prohibited to walk in there. So one of the issues is, do we say that after 415 years, the bones have already disintegrated and there's nothing left? So the Chassam Sofer discusses this, and he raises the issue that we can't say that because we have all sorts of traditions that righteous people don't disintegrate. So we have to be concerned that maybe this Reb Zechariah was a righteous person and his bones did not disintegrate even hundreds of years later. So on this, the Chassam Sofer raises the issue, well, the headstone is dated to Erev Yom Kippur and the Gemara says that that's a bad sign. So that should indicate that Reb Zechariah was not a great person and his bones did disintegrate. Says the Chassam Sofer, Ein lemeiden midivrei agada. We cannot apply this statement in the Gemara, which is agadita, it's non-halachic, in the same way that we would apply a halachic statement of the Gemara. So the halachas in the Gemara we can apply very clearly. But this type of statement is less clearly understood, so it has less authority on a practical level in terms of using it for practical halacha. So that's why the Chassam Sofer says we can't say that this Reb Zechariah was not a good person based on this agarita. But then he quotes, V'shamati b'shem 
Hagon Moreno Harav Shalom Rav Zatzal. He quotes Reb Shalom Rav that he said exactly this idea of the Ion Yaakov that for a tzaddik every day is Yom Kippur. So any day that he passes away, even if it's Erev Yom Kippur on the calendar, is like Motsai Yom Kippur for him because he does Teshuvah every day. Now, the Iyun Yaakov adds another point, which is that sometimes a tzaddik passes away on Erev Yom Kippur, not as a reflection of his own sins, but as a reflection of the community's sins. So he says that if a tzaddik passes away on Yom Kippur, the community should be worried because maybe that's a reflection of their sins. So those are some of the Ion Yaakov and the Chassam Sofer's comments on this. Now, there is an interesting historical issue whether Rabbi Akiva died on Erev Yom Kippur or on Yom Kippur itself. So there's some question about this. The Yalkut Shimoni in Mishle, Remez 944, tells a story, and according to that story, Rabbi Akiva died on Erev Yom Kippur. So that would be problematic because how could Rabbi Akiva have died on a day which was a bad sign when he was such a towering tzaddik? Also on Rabbi Akiva's headstone, it says that he died on Erev Yom Kippur. But it's possible that the headstone is just based on this medrash. It's not reflecting a separate tradition. Now, on the other hand, there are other sources that indicate Rabbi Akiva died on Yom Kippur itself. And you could read that medrash in Mishle in line with that also. And that's part of the reason we begin Yom Kippur with the Pasuk of Or Zarua Latzadik, because the end letters of that Pasuk spell out Akiva with a hey. That's what Rabbi Yitzchak of Vienna, who wrote the Sefer Or Zarua, a very important halachic work of the Rishonim, so he explains the reason he named his Sefer Or Zarua is because he was unsure how to spell the name Akiva in a get. Should it have an aleph or a hey at the end? And they showed him from heaven a dream, and it had the pasuk of Or Zarua Latzadik Lev Simcha, which spells out Rebbe Akiva in the last letters of that sentence. So he knew that it was with a hey. So according to the Arzarua, the name Akiva is properly spelled with a hey at the end in a get. So because of this unbelievable dream that he had, he named his Sefer Or Zarua after that Pasuk. And that's one of the reasons why we say that Pasuk at the beginning of Yom Kippur to remember that this is the yort site of Rabbi Akiva. And also the Mishnah in Yuma, which deals with Yom Kippur, the last statement in it comes from Rabbi Akiva because he's very much intertwined with the day of Yom Kippur. The Machna Chaim quotes that his Rebbe, the Chasam Sofer, every Arab Yom Kippur right before Kol Nidre would speak about that sentence of Rabbi Akiva at the end of the Mishnah Yuma. Again, because Rabbi Akiva is one of the major players in the day of Yom Kippur because that is his site. So there's all sorts of traditions that Rabbi Akiva died not on Erev Yom Kippur, but on Yom Kippur itself. So now we'll come back to the issue if Rabbi Akiva died on Yom Kippur, but if he died on Erev Yom Kippur, so what about the Gemara that says that that's a bad sign? So Rabbi Yitzchak Palaji in his commentary on the Avos Reb Nassan called Ha'avos Harosh and the Avos Reb Nassan in Chaf Hei Beis also quotes the same tradition of the Gemara that dying on Erev Yom Kippur is a bad sign. So he asks this question, what about Rabbi Akiva? And he gives three
three answers. First of all, like the Ion Yaakov, if a tzaddik dies on Erev Yom Kippur, since they do teshuva every day, that's okay, because it's like Motzei Yom Kippur for them. Then he suggests another answer, which is very cute, that maybe Erev Yom Kippur that year fell out on a Friday. So then the two signs cancel each other out. It's a good sign to die on a Friday and a bad sign to die on Erev Yom Kippur. But if Erev Yom Kippur is on a Friday, so then it's actually a good sign to die that day. So that's a very cute answer. And then finally, he suggests that maybe the Gemara is only talking about someone who dies a natural death. But Rabbi Akiva, we know, was killed by the Romans. So someone who's killed by someone else, maybe the sign doesn't apply at all. And even if they're killed on Erev Yom Kippur, it's not a bad sign. So that's how he deals with the Rebbe Akiva issue. Now, if Rebbe Akiva died on Yom Kippur, so what kind of sign is that? The Gemara only said that before Yom Kippur is bad and after Yom Kippur is good. But what about on Yom Kippur itself? So Rebbe Hanan Wasserman raises this issue in the Hapardes Torah Journal in 1932. And this is quoted in the new Kovetz Ma'amorim, the Igros of Rebbe Hanan. And he points out that in Rav Shreira Gaon's letter, where he goes through the history of the Gemara and the Gaonim, so generally he says that people shachiv, they died. That's how he goes through the Gaonim. Except for Rav Achai Berea de Baravua, one of the Gaonim who died on Yom Kippur, he says, Havazafa ushachiv. There was all sorts of tumult and chaos and he died on Yom Kippur. So Rebbe Hanan says, why does he add in this phrase that there was chaos and tumult? So Rebbe Hanan explains that there's a debate in the Rishonim whether Yom Kippur atones at every moment. So it's a slow atonement minute by minute or the whole atonement comes at the end of the day of Yom Kippur. So whether dying on Yom Kippur is a good sign or not is going to depend on this debate. If the atonement happens slowly, so then it's a good sign because the person passed away during the period of atonement. But if the atonement all comes at the end of Yom Kippur, so then it's a bad sign because they died before the atonement, like dying on Erev Yom Kippur. Says Rebbe Hanan, Rav Shreira Gaon holds that Yom Kippur atones at the end of the day. So it's a bad sign to die on Yom Kippur. So that's why he's explaining that Rav Achai, who died on Yom Kippur, it wasn't his fault. It was because of the sins of the generation. There was all sorts of chaos going on. So he died as a result of the community's sins. As opposed to the other view in the Rishonim, who holds that Yom Kippur atones slowly. So they would hold that it's fine to die on Yom Kippur. It's a good sign. So it could be Rabbi Akiva dying on Yom Kippur would be a proof to that position as well, that it's a good sign to die on Yom Kippur. Now, there's an unbelievable tradition about Rab Chaim Ozer Grodzensky's grandfather. So his father was Rab David Shlomo Grodzensky, who was a student of Rabbi Saul Salanter, and Rab Chaim Ozer married a granddaughter of Rabbi Saul Salanter. But his grandfather was Rab Moshe Arya Leib Grodzensky. So the story goes that he passed away on Erev Yom Kippur, which again, according to the Gemara, would be a bad sign, but 
But unbelievably, when they looked in his Gemara in Ksubis, he had written a marginal comment. And in his Gemara, Reb Moshe Aryaleib wrote, Hani mili be'erev yom akipurim lifnos erev. That's only when the person dies on Erev Yom Kippur in the afternoon. So it's about to be Yom Kippur. They've already prepared for Yom Kippur and Hashem did not allow them to live for Yom Kippur. So then it's a bad sign that Hashem did not allow them to atone that year. But Reb Moshe Aryeh said, if they die in the morning before they prepared at all for Yom Kippur, so then it's no different than dying on any other day of the year and there's no bad sign. And unbelievably, he had died on the evening, the night of Erev Yom Kippur, so about 20 hours or so before Yom Kippur started. So his marginal comment in the side of his Gemara was exactly talking about himself. It was like a quasi prophecy because he was the one who had said that dying early in the day on Erev Yom Kippur and certainly the night before is not a problem. The only bad sign is if someone dies close to Yom Kippur itself. So that's an unbelievable story. So both of these Gemaras in Yuma and in Ksubis are reflecting a similar concern that someone is going to miss out on the power of Yom Kippur to atone either if they pass away on Erev Yom Kippur or if they get drunk at the meal and they're unable to say Vidui that evening. So let's return to the Gemara in Yuma. So what is the extra Vidui that the Gemara is commanding us? So Rashi and the majority of the commentators understand that there are six Six viduis being discussed in this Gemara. The five on Yom Kippur itself, one at each of the prayers, and it's actually two because, again, we do it privately as well as communally. So it's really ten on Yom Kippur, plus an additional one at the Mincha before the Suda HaMafsekes. So according to Rashi, when the Gemara says that after he eats, he should say another vidui, that is referring to the vidui at Mariv. But on Erev Yom Kippur, that day, there's only two viduis, one at Mincha and one at Mariv. So that's the way the majority of the commentators understand this. But the Ramban has a different reading of this. And this is quoted by the Ran in his commentary on the Rif, as well as we have a few fragments of the Ramban. We don't have a full commentary on Yuma, but there's a few little fragments. And this is one of the pieces that we have. The Ramban says that if we read this Gemara carefully, it does not sound like it's talking about the vidui of Mariv. It never calls it the vidui of Mariv. It calls it the vidui im chashecha. As it's becoming night, there's an extra vidui. So the Ramban says that what the Gemara is talking about is a totally different vidui, not the vidui of Mariv, but there's an obligation to say an additional vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning. So at nightfall of Yom Kippur, before Mariv, right before Kol Nidre, there's another vidui which is obligatory. Now, on that, the Gemara says there's a concern that a person will be drunk from the Sudam Afsekes. So the rabbis added an additional vidui in order to protect that vidui. So according to the Ramban, we're talking about three viduis on Erev Yom Kippur. There's one at Mariv. There's one right before Kol Nidre as Yom Kippur 
Kippur is beginning. And then the rabbis added an additional one at Mincha before the Suda HaMafsekes. And according to the Ramban, that's what the Gemara is discussing, that the person might miss the Vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning, not the Vidui of Mariv. Because the Ramban says, why would anyone think that you say Vidui before Yom Kippur and not on Yom Kippur itself? That's totally backwards. So it must be that the Gemara is saying that there is a vidui before Yom Kippur, which is obligatory, right before Kol Nidre as Yom Kippur is starting. And in addition to that, we also say vidui an hour or two before that at Mincha, before the Sudam of Sekes. So this is the Ramban's original reading of this Gemara. And again, according to the Ramban, there is an additional vidui, which the majority of the Rishonim don't have, as Yom Kippur is beginning. And the Ramban adds that there's an explicit proof to his position from the Tosefta because when the Tosefta quotes this brisa that the Gemara quoted, it adds in an extra line. Even though the person said vidui before the Sudam of Sekes, he has to say another vidui after the Sudam of Sekes because maybe he sinned during the meal. Even though he said vidui after the Sudam of Sekes, he still needs to say vidui at Mariv. So this Tosefta is explicitly like the Ramban, that there is an additional vidui, not the Mariv vidui, but right as Yom Kippur is beginning, right before Kol Nidre. So the Ramban says that the version we have in our Gemara is an abridged version of this Tosefta. It's not that the Gemara disagrees with it, but the Gemara has that line omitted, but that's what the Gemara also means. According to the other commentators, you would say that the Gemara's version of that brisa disagrees with the Tosefta. So even though the Tosefta agrees with the Ramban's interpretation, but our Gemara has a different interpretation and omits that extra vidui right before Kol Nidre. So these are the first two major ways to understand this passage in the Gemara. Rashi's understanding is that the vidui at Mincha of Erev Yom Kippur is a backup in case the person misses vidui at Mariv of Yom Kippur. So conceptually according to Rashi, there is no obligation to say vidui on Erev Yom Kippur. The whole mitzvah of vidui is only on Yom Kippur itself, but because of the concern that this person is about to eat a large meal so they may be incapacitated and unable to say the vidui that evening so they're going to miss the vidui of Mariv of Yom Kippur so therefore the rabbis added an additional vidui as a backup on Erev Yom Kippur before for the meal. That's the first approach of Rashi. Then the Ramban has a different conceptual idea of what the Gemara is teaching. According to the Ramban, not only is there an obligation of Vidui on Yom Kippur itself, but there is another obligation to enter into Yom Kippur through doing Teshuva. So when Yom Kippur begins, a person should be in the process of doing Teshuva already. So that's why there's another obligation to say Vidui right before Yom Kippur as Yom Kippur is beginning.
Now, in order to protect that vidui, therefore the rabbis added another vidui before the Sudam Afsekes at Mincha. The concern was not about the vidui of Yom Kippur itself, but this additional vidui which kicks off Yom Kippur. So according to the Ramban, there is an additional aspect of vidui, not only on Yom Kippur, but also kicking off Yom Kippur. Now, there is a third major way to understand this Gemara. The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, Perek Beis Halacha Zion, writes that since Yom Kippur is such an important time of Teshuva, Lefichach chayavna kol lasos tshuva ulisvados biyom HaKippurim, therefore we have to do Teshuva and Vidui on Yom Kippur, umitzvas Vidui Yom HaKippurim sheyaschel me'erev hayom kodem sheyochal. And the mitzvah of Vidui of Yom Kippur begins on Erev Yom Kippur before he eats. Shema yechanek b'se'uda kodem she because there's a concern that he might choke at the meal and not get to do Vidui at all for that year. So the Rambam's concern is not like Rashi that the person will get drunk and incapacitated at the Sudam Afsekes and they'll miss the Vidui of Mariv. According to the Rambam, the concern is that the person might choke and die at the Sudam Afsekes and then they won't have been able to say Vidui at all for that year. So according to the Rambam, the concern in Yuma and Ksubos are one and the same. We do not want a person to die before they're able to do Teshuva of Yom Kippur. So since this person is going to eat a big meal right now and people sometimes choke, therefore the Torah, not the rabbis, added an additional vidui before the Sudam Afsekes. But that is not a new type of vidui. It's just a reflection of the vidui of Yom Kippur itself. And according to the Rambam, the mitzvah of Vidui of Yom Kippur begins on Erev Yom Kippur. So it's not like Rashi that it's just a backup for the Vidui of Mariv if he misses it. But according to the Rambam, this is the first Vidui of Yom Kippur. So if the person dies at the Sudam Afsekes, they will have done the Tshuva of Yom Kippur through the Vidui at Mincha. So now the Sefer Avodas HaMelech, in his commentary on the Rambam, so he points out that this all comes from the version of the Brisa that the Rif had. The Rif has a different Girsa than what we have in our printed Gemaras. So it would be very hard to read the Rambam's conceptual framework into our Girsa. But the Rif has a whole different version where the Brisa records a debate between Reb Meir and the Chachamim. Rebbe Meir says that the Vidui of Yom Kippur begins on Yom Kippur itself and the Chachamim disagree and they hold that it begins on Erev Yom Kippur. So that's where the Rambam got this whole notion. He rules like the Chachamim that the mitzvah of Vidui begins not on Yom Kippur but on Erev Yom Kippur. And he quotes also that the Tosos Yeshanim and and the Sefer Aguda also seemed to have the version of the riff. So this is the basis for the Rambam's idea. And as he points out, this answers the question of the Ramban. The Ramban asked, why would anyone think that if you said Vidui at Mincha of Erev Yom Kippur, you don't have to say Vidui on Yom Kippur itself? That seems totally backwards. But according to the Rambam's version, it makes sense because since the Vidui of Erev Yom Kippur is part and parcel of the whole mitzvah of Vidui of Yom Kippur itself, 
So maybe saying vidui on Erev Yom Kippur is alone enough and you do not need to say vidui on Yom Kippur itself. So that's why the Brisa needs to make it clear that you have to say vidui on Erev Yom Kippur as well as on Yom Kippur itself. So practically, Rashi and the Rambam agree that there are only two viduis on Erev Yom Kippur, one at Mincha and one at Mariv. They both disagree practically with the Ramban's additional vidui, but Rashi and the Rambam have two totally different conceptual frameworks. According to the Rambam, the vidui at Mincha is a beginning of the whole tshuva process of Yom Kippur, and it's not added by the rabbis. It is the view of the Chachamim, but in their view, that's the mitzvah of the Torah, because the Torah is concerned that a person might die during the Sudam of Sekes. So the Torah began the process of Vidui on Erev Yom Kippur, as opposed to Rashi, who understands that Vidui at Mincha is a rabbinic addition because a person might be incapacitated and unable to say the Vidui that evening at Mariv. And Rashi and the Rambam debate how to interpret the phrase in the Gemara, Shema Eira Davar Kalkola B'Seuda, maybe something went wrong at the meal. According to Rashi, that explains why the person says another vidui at Mariv, even though they just said vidui, because maybe in the short intervening period, they did another sin at the meal. Whereas according to the Rambam, that explains why the Torah added a vidui at Mincha and started the mitzvah of Yom Kippur on the afternoon before because it's concerned that maybe something's going to go wrong at the meal and the person will die and not make it to Yom Kippur. So this is a very interesting debate, how to interpret this line in the Gemara and the relationship with the Tosefta and when the mitzvah of the vidui actually begins. Now on a practical level, so the majority of the commentators do disagree with the Ramban. The Tosos Yeshanim on Yuma quotes the Tosefta that agrees with the Ramban that there's an additional vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning, but the Tosus Yishanim says that we don't find this extra vidui in our Gemara. So that's the way Rashi and the Rambam and the majority of the commentators understand it. Likewise, the Beis Yosef in Simon Tafresh Zion also quotes the view of the Ramban, but he points out that the major halachic authorities do not agree with the Ramban. The Rambam and the Tur all disagree with this Ramban. So he rules that one does not need to say an extra additional vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning. Now, on the other hand, some of the later poskim, like the Prichadash and the Levush and the Shalah, so they believe that one should follow the view of the Ramban because that's the view in the Tosefta. And the Magen Avram in Simen Tafresh Zion, Sifkat and Zion, quotes this from the Shalah, that one should be strict like the view of the Ramban. And the Mishnah Brewer in Simen Tafresh Zion, Sifkat and Aleph, also records the same view. So the major poskim encourage people to follow the view of the Ramban and say an additional vidui before Yom Kippur begins, right as Yom Kippur is starting. Now, the way to do this, so the Prichadash mentions that people would not say the traditional vidui, the confession that we have in the Machzor, but they would say a piyot, like a poem that had elements of vidui in it. And the Mishabrua records the same thing, the chen nohogu bizmanenu shaomrim as tefillah zaka, that through saying tefillah zaka, which was written by the Chaye Adam, it appears in 
his halachas of Yom Kippur. So if someone says tefillah zaka, even though it's not the traditional vidui, but it has elements of vidui in it, so saying that is a good way to include the view of the Ramban that when Yom Kippur begins, the person should already be doing teshuva. But it doesn't have to be the regular vidui. It could even be this tefillah, which includes confession as part of it. So when people say tefillah zaka right as Yom Kippur is starting, there is a very good halachic grounding for it to fulfill the way the Ramban understands the extra vidui in the Gemara. Now, there are also achronim who strongly suggest following the Ramban literally. So not saying a prayer like tefillah zaka, but literally saying a vidui right as Yom Kippur is beginning. The Yisod Vishor Shavoda in the sixth chapter about Yom Kippur. So this is in the new editions in Chelek Bey's page 91. So he writes, V'haya kisavu al beis When you come to Shol for Kol Nidre, Teichef umiyad yisvade benusach Hashamnu bagadnu. You should say the vidui of Hashamnu bagadnu. V'yizoher you should be very careful with this vidui before kol nidre because according to the Ramban this is a halacha of the Gemara that the main vidui has to be said right as Yom Kippur is beginning so the Yisod Vishor Shavoda sees this vidui as incredibly important and he even calls it the main vidui according to the Ramban and he ends you should be careful about this vidui. And there is a custom that he records in a number of shoals to say the vidui communally before kol nidre. And in the Sefer Piske Chuvis in Simon Tafresh Zion Os Bays footnote 10, so he quotes the same custom from the Munkacher Rebbe, the Minchas Elazar in Nimuke Arachayim. He says that the Chasim Sofer and the Maram Ash, they used to say a communal vidui before Kol Nidre. And he quotes that the Shulchan Aruch Harav also says that everyone should say this vidui. Now, the Sephardim also have a version of this. They don't say tefillah zaka, but they say a similar prayer, lecha keli chukasi, that's the piyot that the Prichadash mentions. So the Tosfos Yom Kippurim records that that's the custom of Yerushalayim to say that poem as Yom Kippur is beginning. And again, it also has elements of vidui in it. Now, there's one last point to discuss about this. The Piske Chuvis and other poskim quote that since vidui needs to be recited while standing. The Shulchan Aruch records that halacha. So if someone is saying tefillah zaka or a different prayer as their form of vidui of the Ramban as Yom Kippur begins, so they should stand up when they say the vidui parts of that prayer. And the question is that we don't find this custom that people stand up during tefillah zaka when they're saying the vidui parts. So the Piske Chuvis and other poskim say that this is wrong and people should stand up for the vidui section if they want this to count as the vidui that the Ramban requires. But there's a very nice article from Rebavram Yitzchak Sternbach in the Viudum Journal, Volume 25. And he suggests an approach to defend the practice of not standing during Tfila Zaka or if someone is saying a prayer as Yom Kippur begins. And he explains this because what is the reason why 
someone has to stand for vidui. So he points out that the Rambam never mentions the halacha of standing for vidui. The Shulchan Aruch does, but the Rambam does not. And the way he suggests to understand this is that according to the Rambam, vidui has to be said in front of Hashem. The person has to be in the presence of Hashem. And what is the presence of Hashem when a person is davening? So that's why the vidui has to be connected with their davening if it's the Chazar Sashatz. So we say the vidui in the middle of the davening. And if it's the personal Shemona Esrei, so we say it at the end, but it still has to be part of the davening. The Vilna Gaon in the Sefer Imre Noam on Brachos Dalad Amad Beis writes that you should not say Yihiyuluratzon, that Pasuk, before the vidui. Even though during the rest of the year we add Yihiyuluratzon before the prayer of Elokai Nitzor, because that prayer is not really part of the Shemona Esrei, but says the Vilna Gaon on Yom Kippur, you should not add the Pasuk of Yihiyuluratzon before the vidui, because Yihiyuluratzon ends the Shemona Esrei. And we want the vidui to be connected with the Shemona Esrei. So even though the vidui comes after the Shemona Esrei, it should still be connected and part of the Shemona Esrei. So that's why the Rambam doesn't say explicitly that you have to stand for vidui, because since it's part of the Shemona Esrei, it's included in the halacha of standing for the Shemona Esrei. So now what this would mean is that according to the Rambam, the whole halacha of standing for vidui only applies to the special vidui of Yom Kippur, which is part of the Shemona Esrei. But it doesn't apply to vidui during the rest of the year because that doesn't have the same criteria as the Yom Kippur vidui. So a regular vidui does not have the halacha according to the Rambam of standing for vidui, only the vidui of Yom Kippur. And using this, he answers a classic question of the Achronim, quoted by the Pardes Yosef, how can it be that there is a halacha to stand for vidui when the person says vidui on a karban while leaning on the karban? And it has to be with their full weight leaning on the karban. Now, leaning on something is not considered standing in halacha. So any time a person says vidui on a carbon, they are leaning on the animal and they're not standing. Says Rabbi Sternbach, his approach in the Rambam answers this question. Because the halacha of standing for vidui only applies during the Shemona Esrei of Yom Kippur, not the vidui of the rest of the year, like when someone brings a carbon. So now, based on this, he also answers why it's not necessary to stand during tefillah zaka, or if someone is saying the vidui of the Ramban right before Kol Nidre. Because as we already explained earlier, the Ramban has a totally different conceptual framework for this vidui than Rashi and the Rambam. According to Rashi and the Rambam, the vidui of Erev Yom Kippur at Mincha is connected with the vidui of Yom Kippur. So it's part of the overall mitzvah of the Yom Kippur vidui, but there's a concern that the person either won't get to Yom Kippur or they won't be able to say vidui at Mariv. So therefore the rabbis pushed back the vidui of Yom Kippur to Mincha of Erev Yom Kippur. But according to the Ramban, the conceptual framework is totally different. The vidui as Yom Kippur's beginning is not part of the overall mitzvah of vidui on Yom Kippur. It's a totally different mitzvah. 
There is a mitzvah to do teshuva and vidui on Yom Kippur. That's mitzvah number one. And then there's a second mitzvah to do teshuva and vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning. A person shouldn't enter the day of Yom Kippur, this holy solemn day, from a place of sinning. They should enter it from a place of teshuva. So according to the Ramban, this is not identical with the teshuva of Yom Kippur. Obviously, it's related, but the idea is that Yom Kippur is such a powerful and holy day that a person should make sure to enter it properly while in the process of teshuva. But that's a slightly different mitzvah. So according to the Ramban, that vidui is not part of the Shemona Esrei like the Yom Kippur viduis, and that's why it does not need to be said standing. So this is a very clever approach to explain why people can sit for tefillah zaka, and it also has a lot of important insights into understanding this view of the Ramban that one should say a vidui as Yom Kippur is beginning. Now, it's worth ending with one final passage from the Chaye Adam because we've been discussing the tshuva right before Yom Kippur. But the Chaye Adam in Klal Kufmem Dalid Os Hey, so he says something unbelievable that there is a special concept of teshuva more than the rest of the Aserasime tshuva on Erev Yom Kippur. So he expands this discussion to the whole day of Erev Yom Kippur. There is a mitzvah to do teshuva every day, and certainly during the Aseres Yemei But Erev Yom Kippur should be the entire day devoted to tshuva. There is more of a mitzvah that day than the rest of the Aserasimei Tshuva. And he bases this on the Pasuk of Lifnei Hashem Titaru, that in front of Hashem, we are purified. So the Chaye Adam reads this very brilliantly, that it means in front of Hashem chronologically. On the day that Hashem is coming to judge, which is Yom Kippur, before that, Lifnei Hashem, on the day before that, a person has to do Teshuva. Says the Chaye Adam, therefore a person should make sure to spend the whole Erev Yom Kippur, the day before Hashem is coming to judge us, doing teshuva and making amends and atoning and asking others for forgiveness and getting everything properly prepared for Yom Kippur. So this is an extension of the Ramban's idea that one should begin Yom Kippur from a place of tshuva and the Chayyotim extends this to the whole Erev Yom Kippur.